0: Welcome back to yet another episode of the Coach's Corner Podcast. Yes, we are bringing back guests on the podcast. It's been a while, but we're bringing back two to three guests every single month. And every single time I get the honor of interviewing someone on their specialty, on their expertise, I leave beaming and booming with like excitement and enthusiasm. I always learn something new, and I know without a doubt that the podcast episode that we have for you today is gonna have you feeling the same way. I had the honor, the privilege of interviewing someone I respect dearly. Her name is Emily Wilcox. And yes, I really respect and honor the way she's able to communicate something that's very complex, money, we'll get into that in a second. She's able to communicate that in a way that makes sense and is actionable. I see a lot of the money talk and money mindset stuff stay in the metaphysical, it stays over here. But it's never brought down into like an idea, into an intention, and then morphed into actual real-world application. Emily has a beautiful way of really helping us with the inner work on that end. But also, and I think just as, if not more inspiring, is her story. She built two seven-figure companies. How she built those will really inspire you. She built her first company when she had her first kid, second company when she built her when she had her second kid. And she comes from a corporate background, so there was a lot of programming and reprogramming she had to go through as she built these companies in her masculine energy. And she, and I think a lot of people aren't willing to ask this, but she was willing to ask at the end of that, is there an easy way to do this? Do you have to build something through force and power and and masculine energy? Or is there a way to build something with more ease, with more flow, with more joy? Asking that question led her down a journey and into what she does now. She devoted her life to actually helping clients do the inner work, particularly around the money. She also has a podcast called M Makes Money. Highly recommend you check it out. But beyond that, if you want to join a conversation here on this episode, that has everything to do with money. Yet, at the end of the day, nothing to do with money, but about the inner work. Emily talks a lot about the be, do, have, becoming The person who can easily do, execute, and get the result instead of our backwards thinking of, well, I want to have this, so I need to do this so I can become successful or become rich. If you want to join that conversation, if you want to dive deep into it, and you want to leave with a different perspective, hopefully some takeaways, some tools that you can actually apply into your life or into your business to ultimately make more money and feel good about it then make sure you tune in, listen to the episode. Super, super excited to share it with you. And with that said, let's get into it. I have been under the lie or the, not a lie, but I've just been under the impression that like you've got to get shit done, like masculine energy, driving tanks, like making stuff happen. And it served me until it no longer did. And I felt like my body was broken and I get way better results these days maybe spending an hour or two in that a day. And the rest of the time, I'm literally spending time in the vision and the feeling. And I'm sure there's an element of having a team in play and players that can take the actions, but I'm really excited to talk to you about this today. And your story, I think is a testament to what's truly possible when you lean into the feminine, if we want to call it, or lean into the intuition, lean into the feeling. So let's start there. I know that you were, a slave to corporate America. Let's start there. What was that time in your life? What happened after that? I know you had two kids. Uh, Take us through that.
1: Yeah. So I I had a lot of programming around safety and what was safe and what wasn't. And oddly, um, my mom was a small business owner, but she actually projected some of this on me where ultimately she got to a point in her career where she sold her small business, not for a lot of money and went to go work for a company. And like, that, that was kind of the ultimate, right? Like getting, getting a steady paycheck, having, having a corporation behind you was, was the way to go. Um, So I subconsciously had a lot of programming around, you know, being a business owner versus getting the corporate paycheck and all of that. And I, I, I felt like, you know, if I made a hundred thousand dollars a year in salary, like that was going to be it, like yeah. pinnacle. And so yeah. I I got to a point in my career, maybe I was, I was maybe 24, 25 when that happened um, in pharmaceutical sales. And I just felt like, great, this is awesome. I'm going to do it. this forever. Got yeah. It made. Yeah. I was like, I have a ton of autonomy. I get to create my own schedule, essentially. Um, I, I I, too, like you were talking about, like I love being in that like productivity, get shit done energy. Like I used to say that efficiency was a superpower for me. Yeah. Um, it still is. I just don't give it as much um, weight in my life as I used to. But so I kind of had this, deal where like, I knew, I understood the game of corporate America. I knew how to win it. Like I was always in the top ranks. I earned award trips. I got promotions and I was in the CrossFit gym at three o'clock every day. And then, you know, I thought this will be perfect because when I become a mom, like I'm going to have flexibility to drop off my kids and pick them up and, Like this is the stable, cushy, ride off into the sunset gig.
0: Yeah, yeah. It sounds like the, um, yeah, I mean, it sounds like you had it made from the outside. Yeah. Yeah. So what? when did that paradigm or that reality or that life start breaking down? Where were the holes, the cracks?
1: Yeah. So it broke down for me um, coming back from maternity leave after having my daughter. And this came as such a shock to me because Um, I was so in my masculine energy that I thought that I had everything under control and I had plans for everything. And so when women would talk to me about how motherhood changed so much for them and really shifted their priorities, I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, okay, that's your story. But I already had it figured out for myself. And I had already chosen a career where I knew that I could have the work-life balance that I wanted. And so in my mind, it was already figured out, like, I'm going to go back to work and it's all good.
0: Yeah, No part of
1: me wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. And so I I just, it came as such a shock that when I went back, it was such a rocky re-entry. And there were things that happened that I really believe were divinely at play to help awaken me to you know a, a, a higher version of myself and more potential and all of that. But, but basically I started to see, I could still see the corporate game and I could see how um, mothers in particular were painted a certain way within this corporate environment. And it was like the first time I felt like, okay, I still see the whole game, I still know how to win and I just don't want to anymore.
0: You just don't want to play it. How you would have been, um, 26, 27, 28. How long were you in corporate America? Until okay. So
1: I think I was 30 when I 30. had, okay. yeah,
0: cool. That's a, that's a good, that's a good year to kind of like start realizing things. So you're in corporate America. You just had your kid, you come back and you start seeing some cracks. You start seeing some things you decide you don't want to play the game anymore. You're getting paid six figure plus salary, flexible hours. Um, Average. Good. It was good. But, you know, there was excellent or there was something beyond that. What um, was there like a final moment? Was it a quick moment where you transitioned into entrepreneurship or was it gradual?
1: Yeah, so while I was on maternity leave with Faye, we started our e-commerce business. And it would take us almost three years to sell a million dollars um, in that business. So it was just this little fledgling thing. And it was started under the idea that it would be just kind of a little side hustle, uh, another stream of income. Maybe we just start filling the college fund for our daughter, Right. Um, but then what were you
0: selling if I can ask on the e-com side?
1: We were selling uh baby clothing.
0: Cool. That makes sense. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that started growing pretty quickly um and at the same time my my ideas were really changing around corporate America and so then I sort of had the goal of, okay, maybe we can turn this into something. And by the time we're ready to have baby number two, then I just, I won't have to go back because I was the primary breadwinner in our family. So it wasn't, there wasn't an option to just be like, screw this, I'm done. In fact, my husband did that while I was on maternity leave with Faye. So he quit his job and kind of was like, I'm going all in on this entrepreneurial stuff and so like it or not like i my role was still to to provide you know safety and security um but it but i just started dreaming into more and oh. i'm actually really thankful for those 3 years before i actually was able to leave corporate america because um it really it really taught me a lot about perspective because there were times when i felt pretty unhappy like i'm still having to do this and then I just had to zoom in, zoom okay. way, way, way in. And I was like, okay, who do you need to see today? Oh, I, I like those mm-hmm. doctors. I like those nurses. I like that staff. I know that they're helping patients. Okay, come on, we can do this. Yeah. And I just had to be more intentional with my thoughts and understand that like I was building for something bigger and happiness is an inside job. And I could yeah. find things to be happy and grateful for every single day.
0: Sounds like the foundation. A lot of people jump into entrepreneurship and they are not ready for the emotional, the inner development that has to take place. And I'm just like, you could be almost doing everything right, but it might take a year or two to develop into the person that can actually even run this thing. And then it happens really quick. But usually it's not the skill set part that was missing. It was that inner world that you seem to develop with perspective. Cool, cool. So that was your uh, first business and I'm guessing that one you grew to a seven-figure business. You, you said it took about three years-ish. Do I have that yeah. right? Cool. Yeah. And then you must have started something else.
1: Yeah. So at the time when I was ready to go on maternity leave with my son, JJ, um, our our e-commerce business had hit that seven-figure mark. And also, if you understand anything about an inventory business and one that's growing quickly, you really need to reinvest a lot of your profits in order to keep up with growing demand. And so that, that business was generating cash and we felt like it wasn't to the level where that could sustain our whole family. Um, we had some really good business mentors at the time and you know, what they observed that we couldn't see was that everybody and their brother came to us for Amazon advice because that's how we, that was the platform we were using for our e-commerce business. And so we were freely giving advice away that very few people were able to execute on. And our mentors finally said, like, you, you really realize that you've got another business like sitting right in your lap. You need to help other people sell on Amazon. And so that's what we did. So we launched Elevate, which is our Amazon sales agency. Um, It was such an easy and natural extension from what we were already doing. And, with the the two businesses together, the product business and the service business, that was what allowed me to leave corporate America. Still, the scariest thing I ever yeah. did. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah.
1: But also, so awesome. I'm so grateful for it, and I've never looked back.
0: Yeah, and from like a from a business perspective, having a service based uh, business that's probably bringing you tons of recurring, then you have the service based that's pure profit. The two mixed together is just like you got the best of both worlds, and you're just. Yes. Yeah, There's a
1: ton of synergy and, you know, our, our agency does, you know, over a hundred thousand in monthly recurring revenue and growing. So yeah, that's, that's a a great gig from like a safety and security perspective. Yep.
0: Yep. Yep. So, so congrats on that. But the story doesn't end there because at least from what I understand, you had another kind of awakening of like, man, I'm still. From my perspective here you can correct me if I'm wrong but from what I understand you're still pushing hard you're still using like in your masculine and you realize yeah. there's a better way to do something and eventually I guess really you started a third thing um yeah. third calling so to speak
1: yeah yeah so so during during my time of you know running these businesses um so much of it was in masculine energy so much of it was out of survival um Particularly starting the agency, um, I had all of my worth wrapped up in whether or not people said yes, whether or not they were happy with the service. So, so much was coming up for me and I was really able to see a lot of my wounding around money and my ability or lack thereof to receive it, what I was making it mean about me when I did receive it or when I didn't. you know i i had a client pay in full 18000 dollars one time over the phone and i was really happy about it for like 10 minutes and by the way he was someone that i really knew that we could help like everything felt in alignment and after that first like 5 minutes i felt this really heavy feeling that felt like obligation and it felt like now i'm beholden to this person. I felt all this anxiety around needing to super quickly get him onboarded and start getting him results. So when we talk about entrepreneurship as this vehicle for inner work, I mean, holy smokes. None of that had to do with the actual exchange in the sale. None of it had to do with how good our services were. And it had everything to do with me and how I felt about myself and how I felt about money and what I was making it mean. So I was able to observe all of this stuff happening. And I started committing to the inner work um, in a very different way. I had always done, I started meditating as a teenager. So I had this very deep meditation practice where I could connect in with like, my soul. I could connect in with source. I could have these very deep, profound experiences in meditation. And I had been integrating them to the ability that I knew how. What changed in this journey of entrepreneurship was I had to learn how to deal with my human. And it was the first time that I started hiring coaches to work with all of this human conditioning, that we learn in childhood and that's perpetuated in our culture and until I could start to see it and heal it and clear it I wasn't I wasn't able to integrate the metaphysics the way that I wanted to and I truly was the person that was blocking my business from growing to the levels that I knew that it could
0: so from from my understanding, and this is just my experience, and and I've been on this journey for for a shorter period than you. In terms of about a year ago, I felt I had I had this horrible thing happen in the business. I perceived it as horrible, and within ten minutes, I just felt this like joy and peace and love. And then sometimes I'd have really good things happen, and like you, I'd start feeling anxiety after and stress, and is the team onboarding the person, and I'd freak out, and I was like, "Okay, my joy and my happiness is not." Directly linked to like the positive or negative results here, because I had too many facts and experiences that that proved otherwise, so I just made a commitment to like I want to feel more joy every single day, and that was I guess the reason or the purpose of starting to dive into deeper inner work is that the result we're talking about here is like this more steady joy, love, regardless of the external results. And then when you can show up a person like that, the magic you can do in your business is void of sort of that. I mean, the human conditioning. It's more. I mean, you're being who you're meant to be, which is which is love. Is that what we're fundamentally talking about here?
1: Yes, and and for me in my experience, where where I started was doing some deep inner child healing, all of this stuff that I didn't even know I had. I hired yeah, this coach yeah. because I was like. I know I have a few money blocks and I wanna I want to make more money.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 What
1: actually happened was recognizing all of the stuff that had been in my subconscious mind and dredging it up into the conscious. And the the result of that was yes, it was more money, but it was so profoundly beyond that it was like the way that I was able to show up in my marriage completely changed. The way that I showed up for my kids completely changed. Like there were moments when something would happen and I had like almost this out of body experience of like being able to see myself reacting in a completely new way and being Mm. like, who is this person? Like I was meeting this new version of myself that, you know, we think we're such autonomous beings and that we have such free will. And what we don't realize is that we're running the same loop, the same program over and over and over again, in order to fit these like paradigms that that we created as like six and seven year olds. So how free are we really? Yeah. And when we can wake up to that and start to do some healing around it, which by the way, doesn't take that much I thought, oh my gosh, I've been perpetuating this cycle now for 25 plus years. How long is it going to take to undo it? It doesn't take that much when you're ready and you can bring your like adult energy to it. It's such an omnipresent benefit. And that's why you're talking in language of joy and love, which frankly, I would have rolled my eyes at like. five years ago, because it just sounds so touchy feely and intangible. And I would have been like, yeah, but like, what are the real results? Right? Because I was looking at it as like money or business growth or something more tangible. But what you find is that yes, you get those things. And this anchoring into self, self trust, self love, joy that doesn't come from external circumstances, it's so much more powerful that those end up being the things that we talk about. Because it's all of the things that we were hoping money was going to give us that we actually get to give ourselves independent of money.
0: So cool. So cool. I'm going to ask you a bit of a personal question here, because I'm actually curious about this is when I started making that shift, and it's almost like you I love the movie, The Matrix, because that's what it felt like. It was like I can start seeing through the like I'm seeing things differently. Yeah. But I also lost a lot of people in my life during that period of time. I couldn't um, relate with them. I, I I didn't speak the same language and mm. I stepped into my old pattern, which is getting angry and like, you know, thinking everyone else is an idiot. And I had to learn this word called compassion, which mm. was a very new thing to me to just meet people with where they're at. And I still will struggle with it at times. Um, of like you, you, like how don't you just like you don't get it like like ah just I I want you to get mm. it but you don't and curbing any thoughts feelings did you go through and, and maybe uh, this is this is I'm sure really really off but all my friends were men and when I started talking about that stuff they were like that's stupid and I I I had to separate myself and make a new circle was that. Mm the same experience for you or was it a little bit different or were people in your life more open to this new version of Emily?
1: Mm. Yeah, I I had a completely different experience and I think obviously both are completely valid. Um, uh, What I found was number one, I didn't try to evangelize it at all. So I did share because I think it's important in our friendships and relationships that we can talk about things that are important to us but I really made it about me and taking ownership of myself and the things that I was learning um, without one ounce of evangelizing. Cause I think often when people reject something or when they're putting up barriers, it's because they get the sense that you want them to do it too.
0: Right. Like preaching to them.
1: Yes. Yes. And it's like, we just don't like that. Right. Talking about masculine and feminine energetics. It's like when we lean in, naturally the other person's going to lean out. And so I, I just did not do any of that. Um, and I actually felt the opposite in the sense that when I really could see inner child wounds for what they were, it actually gave me, I think more understanding and more compassion for other people because it was like, I understood their behaviors in a way that I never did before. And so it helped me to um, actually like give more love and compassion to their inner child who was still just playing out those subconscious patterns.
0: That's so beautiful. It reminds me of this one moment, I was in this seven day intensive. Um, It was all about like spiritual development and and really inner child work and, and all that fun stuff. And I was new to it at the time after six days, like we were having out-of-body experiences through breath work, like it was, it was incredible. First time I experienced it without drugs or without like doing mushrooms or something. And at the end, people are in their most vulnerable, basically naked in a circle and sharing their most vulnerable things. And, and the relationship was built so tight that people felt comfortable yeah. doing this. And we're all sharing the things we're most ashamed of and the things that we've done that maybe, and I shared something I've never shared with anyone in my life And when you saw 20 other people and their, what they're ashamed of their secrets, uh, the people they've hurt and how they've done it. I was kind of like, Whoa, like what I thought was, was so bad. Um, isn't that bad or it's just this human condition and every single human being, no matter how much they try to mask that has experienced things like this. And I think that was the moment where I started feeling compassion for like, Mm -hmm. I I I understand that I'm sure every human being's been through something and has secrets and has all these things. So I think that was my moment where I was like, Whoa, like this is, it's not just me. It's this human condition.
1: Yes. Yeah. And I even, you know, even to take it like 20 steps further and you think about, you know, the people who are sitting in our prisons, Mm. it's like Mm. when I think about them as a child, and, you know, a baby, like a baby who is so mm-hmm. worthy of love and acceptance and belonging, like it it makes me tear yeah. up. Mm-hmm. And it's like, when I think about what must have happened mm-hmm. to that kid, to mm-hmm. get them to a place where they would so violate another human being. And, you know, there are still consequences, doesn't mean mm-hmm. that they shouldn't you know, that they shouldn't be sitting in prison, but it just allows me to have compassion for that experience because there's just no doubt in my mind that they have suffered.
0: Yeah, that's really beautiful. That's really beautiful. When it comes to the masculine and the feminine, if you could give us a um, level one, level two, version of it so maybe someone who's like started to step into it and all they're seeing is is like man woman or like angry sad or something like they're, they're just seeing it very um you know maybe just stepping into this world how would you explain masculine feminine energy
1: yeah yeah it's a great question and and i think there is so much misunderstanding around it because they they're such gendered terms
0: yeah yeah
1: And when we can get to a place where we can have acceptance of both energies, regardless of our gender or how we identify. And I think it's a little harder for men because there is so much conditioning around what it means to be feminine or effeminate that it actually, um, from my perspective, it takes um, a man really actually being in his power to accept and embrace feminine energy more consciously. So I actually think it's so cool now. And and to me, you're someone, Lucas, that does this so beautifully. Um, But we all have masculine and feminine energy from a very, very basic perspective. If you do look at anatomy, women are built anatomically to receive and men are built anatomically to give. So we can just break it down to the very basics there that when we're trying to give, when we're leaning in, we're in masculine energy. When we're receiving, and when we're kind of leaning back and surrendering, we're in feminine energy.
0: That is the most beautiful way I have ever heard it explained.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that because I feel like it can be a difficult... A difficult Again. thing, yeah. Um, but so it is a dance. We're in When we're balanced, we're kind of flipping back and forth all the time. It's not a super conscious thing. Um, what's helped me in this sort of more recent awakening that I've had and really stepping into embodying and teaching this work is I look at it a bit as a sequence initially which is if I can be in my feminine energy first to receive divine inspiration. So in meditation or in stillness or in the shower or out on a walk where I don't have anything in my ear, ears and just, you know, whatever that receptive state is, if I can be in that first and basically say, okay, higher self, okay, source." We're co creating together, and I really want you to lead the way. I'm listening, and when you speak, I'm going to listen, and when you lead, I'm going to follow. But basically, I'm awaiting instruction, so I'm in my feminine, I'm waiting to receive. When I get that feeling, that divine inspiration, that idea that feels so good, then I get to flip into my masculine energy and take aligned action. So there still is that part of me that loves to work, that loves to bring something into being. And, and that's beautiful energy to be in as well. But when we're in our masculine with no feminine energy, we have a tendency to start to force. When we lean in and we hit some, a roadblock, we just like lean in harder. And it's just, it becomes a more forceful energy than it needs to be. When we when it comes from aligned action and it comes from source and it comes from the receiving of inspiration, then we can be in a more divine masculine energy where it's like, I'm taking the actions, but I'm also still, still surrendering the outcome.
0: I love that. I guess it's like the analogy or the idea of, way beyond just climbing the wrong ladder building the wrong ladder it's like we're building a ladder and then we're taking productivity courses and mind hack courses and now we're learning we're we're building the ladder even faster and we're just going to where we don't want to go like if we could just take a step back and set the direction and feel into it yeah see if it's what we actually want before we start you know digging around in circles
1: that's right i mean i was so turned off to my feelings and i think many of us are um and to the point where I didn't even know that I was, but I yeah. look back on it, you know, like I had both my babies, like natural childbirth and that kind of thing. Like I have a very high pain tolerance. Well, part of that is just because I've gotten really good at disconnecting from how I actually feel yeah. Yeah. and just plowing through. And so if you would have looked at my businesses, it was like, if I wasn't getting the result that I wanted, it was like, okay, how do I do more? How do I do more? Oh, okay. I need more structure. I need to be more disciplined. Let me go back to my weekly plan and let me, yeah. you know, see how I can add more structure. And okay, if I get up earlier, if I make sure that I'm doing a morning formula. And
0: yeah, yeah.
1: And it was just like masculine, 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 because yeah. that's that structure, and we all need some of it. But when it starts to feel like a prison sentence and it feels like, gee, I've created this business, why does it feel like a job? Why do I feel like I have the pressure of the world on me? Yeah. Why do I feel like my time is not my own? And when I started asking myself those questions, the game really changed because we have nothing to hide behind. We can't be like, well, my boss is an a-hole.
0: Right, right.
1: Well, I'm the boss. So why am I being an a-hole to myself?
0: Right. I love that. Can I, I, I'm going to ask a difficult question here because I've written pages of notes on this. I've been asked the same thing and I'm careful when I'm, I remember when I first got into this whole journey, I would be really careful when I was given advice by someone when they were like 10 or 20 years ahead of me, because the advice they were giving me, I'm like, it's working for them now, but If they didn't make those three, four, five mistakes when they first started and learn the lessons and become the people that they were, would they have achieved the success they did? And my answer and conclusion was usually no. I'm like, I had to study someone in the first five years, not their last Mm -hmm. five years. And I've thought about this often because I also started in an extremely masculine and it's still my natural and I love it. I I, I need to consciously in my calendar set, feel time, like step out time, I consciously set it or I won't do it. But when I really think about it, like my first two years of hustle—I'm talking like sales all day and just going to people's houses, whatever it took to bring money in because I had none. I, I I I sometimes wonder if I could have skipped that, and I don't know if I built the muscle and mm. uh, and the skeleton and the and the grit without doing it. Thoughts on that. I think it's a tricky one. Mm. Thoughts on it?
1: I'm so glad that you opened up this topic because I have a friend that challenges me on this too where she's like, "Yes, but you built your businesses up to a certain point first in the masculine energy." So like she's almost looking at it as like there's this playbook of you go through this phase of all masculine energy, hustle and grind, and then you can lean back more into your feminine energy. And I think we have so many examples of that because because that is the predominant way that we're being taught. And I think that gets back to what you were saying about the types of mentors that you're listening to, right? Because all of them tend to have an awakening where they realize that what they sacrificed in those first years it it got to a point where it was like, I'm not willing to do it this way anymore. Yeah. And then they started doing it a different way. And so sometimes our brains want to say, oh, okay, so we have to go through this period. Now, did you have to, Lucas? Maybe you did. Maybe I did. Just because of what I believe is that there were more feminine energy leaders out there over the past five years, six years when I was doing it the hustle and grind way, but they were literally not even in my awareness to the point that I didn't know they even existed. Why? Because I was not an energetic match for them at all. And had I come across them, there's no way that I would have bought into it. I would have been rolling my eyes. I would not have believed that that was the way that they were making money or building their business because it just did not fit with my paradigm
0: at all. Yeah, and I guess we do have a lot, the normal, because I, I love studying like how the economy came about, how the system of money came about. It's all structured, like how companies yeah. are structured, how governments yeah. are structured, how our system for keeping order in the world is structured. Extremely logical, extremely masculine. It is kind of the, um, uh, well, the 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 way it is right now. And I feel like we are going through some massive shifts. I feel like yeah. it is going to take a while but there is a better way to do things. But I get asked that question a lot. And I, I always have to step back and be like, okay, I'm going to be really careful with how I answer this. Cause I don't know uh, if my journey had to be the way it has to be, like you said, then so be it. Yeah. But I know I built up a lot of grit and a lot of muscle and then I let it go. And it's just been the norm for a lot of people. Like when you hear their journey again, they're like I built a seven figure business and I, was going through a divorce and my kids hated me and I had to do something different. And so I did. So I love that topic because it's hard. It's a hard one.
1: Totally. And before we move beyond it, I do want to add one additional point. Actually, let's call it two. Number one, I think perhaps part of the reason we had to go through it is because then we can help others. Right? Fair we we actually did live that experience of the hustle and grind. So we can relate to people that are in that place, but desiring something different. Two, when I look back in a more nuanced way, so the broad strokes is, yes, I was in masculine energy and I was hustle and grinding, and that's all true. But when I zoom way in on certain decision points or certain clients that came in, You know, our best client, I got an email from a women's founders network, I don't even know how I was on the email list, celebrating that one of their past cohort members raised a million dollars in venture capital. I was drawn to actually read the email, I looked at it, I liked the company, I looked them up to see if they were on Amazon, and I felt inspired to send an email, and that resulted in this relationship building and then becoming our best client. So you could say I built the whole business in masculine energy. I would argue that some of the best things that happened were in moments of feminine energy, where I received yeah. an inspiration, I had a feeling, I had a or an in intuition, and I followed it and something good came from it. I love that. I love it. And I I'm, bet I'm, yeah. that you could say the same thing.
0: Yeah. It was when I had break. I'm, I'm 34. I'm a dude who comes from the rigs. I consider myself extremely tough, but when the pressure got so hard and you were alone and you broke down and you cried mm-hmm. right after that moment of like effort, I surrender. I'm like, to me, it felt like I'm giving, like I'm done, but it was just a moment of surrender. Then you woke up the next day and you had the answer that you were pushing against for six yes. months and you were like, wow, that's so clear. So there was hints of like, okay, dude, like there's something else than just, you know, shooting the machine gun all the time, right, wasting a lot of bullets. Yeah. When it comes to and you mentioned, I'm really interested in this one money wounds, would you be open to giving an example of your own money wound, like maybe one or two that you see happen a lot or that you see a pattern for people? Um, Just to give us an example of that where people can start exploring in the stories and the things that happen to them, like just start exploring it and looking deeper into them?
1: Absolutely. And, and there's more to come in this space. So if people are listening, want to stay connected with me, I actually, um, have a money wounds quiz built and cool. it's just about to be beta tested. So I'm not ready to like give you the URL and launch it into the world quite yet, but it's coming very soon. Um, I believe that this is a huge piece of my mission because, We have a lot of very unhealthy um, thoughts about money that drive unhealthy decisions around money. And because we've collectively decided that money is a taboo topic, we don't discuss it. And so nobody can call us out and be like, that's crazy. Like you have so much evidence to the contrary. Why do you think that that is true for you? Right? So part of my mission is getting us to um, recognize, talk about and heal our money wounds in community so that we really can like up level as a planet because um all of this old, heavy, broken energy around money is not serving us. Um, so, yeah, money wounds. Um, I definitely had a, a money safety wound. So I really felt like, my safety and survival um was inextricably linked to money now you might say like yes emily we all have that like we all need money to survive and there is like that factual component of it but then we're talking about like not feeling safe unless there's a certain amount in the bank account right not feeling safe unless that amount is growing every month, feeling very unsafe spending money, being on vacation and actually feeling a lot of anxiety and discomfort because it means that more money is going out. Even though the money's there for it, it feels so uncomfortable to spend it. That is an unhealthy money wound.
0: I love that. Um, I love it. I love it. I so think, that's I think, one yeah.
1: example. I can give more if you'd like. <laughs>
0: yeah. I love another one. That reminds me of, I, I remind myself of this all the time is I used to live off $800, $1,000 a month when I first quit my job in this like basement. I always had food. I always had shelter and I could survive. And then I remember having a hundred grand in my bank account a few years later and I was so much anxiety and then it dipped under a hundred grand and it was like 98,000. And I was like, thought I died. I'm like,
1: yeah.
0: so I'm like, I'm dying. Like, this is not okay. And I mean, I I understand normalizing, but it was not healthy. And I was like, dude, you got to like zoom in or zoom out and look at this, um, this madness. Like, this is not about the money anymore. This is about a thousand one different things. So it was really interesting. So
1: that's right. I love that. Yeah. When we're looking for money to create feelings of safety inside of us, it's actually really this opportunity. To go back, usually there are some inner child wounds around safety and times when we felt very unsafe and like creating and learning how to create those feelings of safety within ourselves because money actually can't give it to us. And you'll learn it, you'll learn it one way or another. You know, it's like you'll chase something and you'll get to that level, you'll get that amount of money and then. It's going to actually feel terrible. It's going to feel the exact opposite of how you thought it was going to feel. And that's your opportunity to say what's really happening here.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Another one that I think can be pretty sneaky is um, a money trust wound where we don't actually trust ourselves with money. And so in this case, it can actually feel pretty anxiety provoking to have the money. And so we would feel better if it was spent, or we would feel better if our partner was in charge of the money. We might set up subconsciously a business structure where someone else is watching the money for us. We might be very quick to give our money to a financial planner or a stockbroker, and we're doing it under the name of investment. But when we actually peel back the energetics underneath, it's I don't trust myself with this. Mm-hmm. And when we make when we take action from that place, we will not like the result. When we give our money to a stockbroker because we don't trust ourselves with it. I promise you the end of that story isn't going to be, wow, I have so much more money and I'm so happy now. And this is great because we will continue to get the lessons that we need until we can heal it. And if we truly believe that we're bad with money, that stockbroker is gonna lose the money because that's what fits our paradigm. And we're gonna say, yep, I knew it. I can't trust myself with money. Jeez, I picked the wrong person. There goes the money again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Do you know the author, Neville Goddard? No. No. Um, He was this um, brilliant speaker, brilliant author. And he talked about the masculine feminine without actually talking about it. This is maybe 20, 30 years ago. He's got a book. He's got a few money books, but I remember listening to one of his things talking about the metaphysical and how he explained it to a business person. So, he had to explain it through logic and then move them through a sequence of kind of like points to kind of shift their paradigm and see it his way. But he was talking about obviously the structure of you need to create a service and you have to find a need to fill, and like money will only be uh, exchanged if there's like a little bit of a service exchange and a value exchange and all that fun stuff, and then turning into the energetics of money. When you're working with your Money clients, can I call it that? Your yeah. your M makes money clients. What's the name of your program, or do you even have a name, and you're just a money coach? and makes money.
1: <laughs> I'm a money magnetizer and business coach. I do run some group programs, but yeah. I also just work with a lot of clients inside of like masterminds and one-on-one, so we can yeah, just yeah. dig deep on their situation.
0: So when you're when you're working with the clients through the masterminds and their um and the programs, how do you? explain the metaphysical, the energetics point of view when also, and I'm, I'm sure what they're looking for is like, what's the nature, what's the, what's the, how do I, um, like, how does this value exchange happen? And they're looking at it from a logical point of view. I asked this because I remember asking it for a very long time. And I ask it because I'm asked it a lot of times recently is like, how do I, I just want, I want a product. I want to exchange it. it logically, it makes sense. What are you talking about this energy of money and how money is an energy exchange? Um, how would you explain that or help someone through that thought process?
1: Yeah, so when I learned that money comes from source, not from people, that was a completely mind-blowing concept to me. And it really changed a lot. So money being like oxygen, it's it's this neutral resource that's infinite in infinite supply um it actually comes from source but it flows through people and so yes there is an energetic exchange based on impact not effort that's another one that's a hard money wound that we have an opportunity to to heal but Yep. um So I think often it's like really zooming out and understanding money from a different way, because we tend to, even when we talk about it as an energetic exchange, we're still thinking about like, you, Lucas, are going to pay me, Emily, and I am going to provide you with X service. And when we can zoom way, way, way out and see that money is coming from source, it really will flow to us through the paths of least resistance. So it's not always as linear as we think it is. I could be making a tremendous impact in the world and money could literally rain from the sky. Like it doesn't have to be that the ways that I'm impacting are also the same ways that money's coming in. It happens that way a lot. And partially it happens that way because we have belief systems in place. So if we believe that money can only come to us through our work, well, then that actually does become the path of least resistance. So therefore, it is the way that money flows. So when I look at it from an energetic perspective, I I desire to have impact on this planet, to be of service in so many ways, through my being, through my, my speaking, through every interaction. And I also want to have money channels available. And so I look at money channels as these sort of masculine structures that allow money to flow in, right? So if I build a course that people can buy, that is a money channel. If I'm exchanging services, that is a money channel. But also, I do want to be energetically available for the idea that money can show up in my mailbox, that money can rain from the sky, that I, you know, that it actually doesn't have to come from effort. Um, sometimes you just open your bank account, and there's money there. Like, yeah. we're given back money from some crazy thing that yeah. you didn't even yeah. know happened five years ago. And it's like, that's still energetic exchange.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Agreed. Agreed. I have a really hard one here. And I wanted to keep this till the end. I asked this because I was asked this about five months ago, and it kind of rocked me off my chair, and I've been researching and investigating. I have my own answer to this, but I'd be really curious to hear your opinion. Um, I, I'm not sure how many US dollars are in circulation. Uh, I remember looking it up. There's a lot anyways, and they're always printing it, of course, but then it lessens the value and inflation goes up and all this fun stuff. Yeah. And I was asked, what about these, the, the, the great divide, and this is a very logical look at it, and this is just a balance sheet that we're starting to tally up now, of yeah, like, you know, for me to, for everyone to make a million dollars or $10 million a year, there's enough money in circulation for that, you know, and it could be, we could have a pretty cool society if we all made a million dollars and we all had better energy around money. But then there's these few families and these few uh, empires, especially with capitalism the way it is, that kind of ran out of control and they own, you know, 90%, 95% of the wealth and taxes and government spending billions and we choose to play the game and we have to pay our taxes and we make it happen and we make it work. But if that, if that divide kept happening, and if more of, you know, maybe the 1% or the 1% of the 1% was collecting all the money, where was source? The first thing I think of is crypto. Cause I'm a huge investor in crypto and there's new forms of new forms of money being created and people are pretty resourceful how to create it, but still at the end of the day, there's a physical supply of it. Thoughts on that, as this as this divide keeps, you know, the the poor, the middle class, the rich. Usually, why a revolution happens at some point is the poor just get tired of the rich. Um, I I love to understand that from metaphysical or from a money comes from source point of view, from your perspective. Okay. Probably a hard yeah, question. There's
1: like, well, there's so much here, right? Yeah. And and I think they're tricky conversations because, um, man, it's so it's so easy for this to get misconstrued. So the the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, money doesn't flow where it's needed. It it money is more attracted to the vibration of desire than it is to the vibration of need. And it's not a worthiness thing at all, right? Because if it was a worthiness thing, we would be saying like, okay, well, you know, babies that are born in Yemen, that there's no money and they're starving, well, they're just not worthy. We know, we know that that's not true, right? Like every part of us is like, oh, no, that can't be the answer, right? So let's remove worthiness from the equation, which is something that we constantly tangle with money. Yeah. And we also know that money doesn't flow where it's needed most, because if it did, then then we wouldn't be having this conversation around it. Right. Like the people who need it the most would would be getting the most money flowing to them and it would all kind of balance out. We also know that money doesn't doesn't come from hard work, because when you look at the the poor, oh, my God, I mean, working multiple jobs and you know, plus raising kids, plus like the, there've been studies done, the amount of brain power that it takes to be poor and have to worry constantly about food and shelter and things like that. Like it, it's tremendous. Right. So it has nothing to do with how smart you are or how hard you work. Yeah. Right. So Fair. I'm actually just taking things off the table right now yep. because yeah, Because we need to to understand that just being poor does not mean that you're dumb, it doesn't mean you're not working hard, and it doesn't mean you're not worthy of money, right? Yeah. So then I look at it as what do I understand from the energetics? And I understand that money actually, when we get in relationship with it, it flows through desire It flows through feelings of abundance and surplus. Like my life is amazing. And oh my gosh, you know what would be even better and what would be even more fun? Yeah, It's like almost the surprise playful energy um, is where we start to manifest and have more money flow to us because because we haven't put all these conditions around it. And we're just like, hey, let's play. I'm going to do something fun today. You want to come? And you're like, yeah.
0: Sure.
1: Um, so does that mean that like things don't need to change structurally in our economy or in our world or the ways that we're valuing things? No, I don't think so. But what what's helpful for me is to sort of like zoom in on what I can control. Yeah. And what I believe and what I know is that um, the more money I have, the more impact I'll be able to make and the more power and influence I will have. When you look at the people that are making decisions, it's the people with all of the money. So if we can become people that have a lot of money and have seats at those tables, I really believe that we'll be able to change the energetics around this because so much of those structures were built out of scarcity and lack. And this idea that there's a finite amount of money and that if I want to have mine, that means that somebody else can't have theirs. And when you talk about these shifts happening on the planet right now, I think a lot of these structures that were built in this really old, low vibration energy are going to fall away at some point.
0: I'm so grateful and happy that you answered it that way because that is the best way that I know how to answer it is some refuse to accept the fact that there are structures and powers at play that need to be toppled at some point point. and my always answer is like well let's just as many people who are conscious of it make as much money as possible so we can actually create a change. Um, And it's why i love crypto so much i'm a geek with it i just love the idea and the concept and the the energy that's behind crypto and the decentralization of finance and and money i just love it so um i think it's happening i think it's gonna be a really exciting few years here as people are like we want to be in control or we want to have more say and not have a few powers keep it all and i think the more people who are tapping into it like you said uh we can create a change
1: yes and not from warrior energy Uh, you know some people have that but i really feel like a a a higher energetics is to say like in the name of something better not in the name of f the institution but in the name of something better
0: fair fair cool so powerful for anyone who um who's listening, who wants to, I got, I got, I got, I, w- I want to send people your way. And then I got one final question for everyone here, but for anyone who wants to tap into it, I know you have a money quiz coming out. I know you've got an Instagram handle. We'll have all the links below, but what is the best way for them to connect with you?
1: Yeah. So come hang on social media. I'm um, I'm on Instagram yeah. at M makes money. So E M dot makes dot money. Um, I'm on Facebook, Emily June Wilcox. So I share a lot in those two places. And then I do have a website, emilywilcox.com. So, you know, if you're, if you're interested in the quiz, just hop onto my email list. Um, I really don't send out a lot. So what you get from me will be really juicy. And then you'll be in the know when that launches.
0: I highly recommend the Instagram. I spent maybe half hour before this interview, just, um, just kind of getting into the energy that is Emily and just kind of like, trying to understand you on a deeper level. And I think social media is a great way, if you really wanna to get to know someone, it's a pretty good reflection of what someone values and what someone talks about. So I spent quite a while going through it and I loved it. I learned so much just in half hour of your social media. Uh, we will leave the links below. And the final question I'd love to ask is, if you could go back, cause I'm, I'm, I know there's a lot of people who are still stuck in the only the masculine and refusing to think about love and joy, it just sounds like stupid or um, I have to work really hard to make money because that's what my dad did or that's what my family did or that's the way I've always done it or the people I look up to they all say 18 hour days and you know seven days a week hashtag no sleep but there's a bit of a crack like you're you're someone's open to maybe there's a better way your best big question your best piece of advice, Something you wish you you could have told yourself that you know now that can be just a little cookie, a little crumble that we can take and at least be on the right path to making this thing happen?
1: Mm. What comes to mind is explore your relationship with yourself. Learn how to reconnect to the, the higher self the version of you that already has the answers and your feelings like our bodies are so brilliant and they're they've got so much incredible circuitry that that I believe is connected to the divine and so the intuition the feeling it's all there it's just that we're not listening to it and in fact to take it one step further we've gotten so good Mm-hmm. At tuning it out and completely ignoring it. And so rather than looking, I could give you a list of, you know, 10 people to follow that are building wealth in a different way. And all of that is good. But to me, tapping into your innate relationship with self and relationship with source, like that's the complete game changer. And that will lead you to all other resources.
0: So. I was so, if you would've told me that even a year ago, I'd be like, like M doesn't know, like she doesn't get it. She doesn't get my life. And how it was explained to me was if I touch a hot stove, I pull back cause it hurts and it's not okay. I won't keep touching. Or if I have something hot or light or something uncomfortable, some feeling on my body or if some loud sound is pounding out of a speaker, I'm gonna move away from it. But if I don't feel good, we're just taught to like, uh, ignore it, just keep moving forward and how your feelings are just as important of a sense as getting burned. And I was like, now I get that. And if I don't feel good, I'm gonna stop and assess why I don't feel good and maybe change direction because there's no need for it.
1: Yeah.
0: So beautiful. beautiful. So beautiful. Thanks, Emily. Um, check out Emily's Instagram, highly, highly recommend. And Em, thank you for your insight. This is a journey that I am committed to moving forward because I just see my life and my business become easier every single week. It's like I work less and I make more. Uh, I don't work less. I think I work just as much, but it doesn't feel like work. It feels like I'm playing all of the time.
1: Yes. We so work differently and we make more.
0: Yeah. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Thanks, Emily. Really, really appreciate you. Thank you. My pleasure.